Well, I can truly say that it is a great blessing to be here with you men tonight. I debated about standing out here and walking up and down the aisle where we could get a little closer because I don't like this thing of being back here. But I have a hard time looking at my notes that way, so I decided on the pulpit. Um, the theme, some of you saw the theme originally was going to be on the law of Christ. Uh, on the website it said that. And then um, Brother Jeffrey called me and we decided to go with some practical helps, change the subject a little bit, some practical helps for Christian living. And so what that means is, even more than ever, we have the hope that you'll go away from these meetings changed and helped. A lot of times, what happens, I've found doctrinally, we can, I could speak on a specific, and I'm not diminishing doctrine in the least, but I could speak on a particular doctrinal theme, and maybe there would be discussion over the nuances of this and that, and do you agree with this and that, might discuss it for two weeks. But if you speak on something practical, well, I'll just give you an example. One of the brothers in our church uh, gave a message on prayer uh, very recently, and it was tremendous. And uh, uh, practical things in prayer, about prayer. When your heart's dull, you know, some practical things that have helped him to break through. And it was tremendous. The next day, my wife, uh, about mid-morning, she said, well, did you do those things that he said? Practical things about prayer. I hadn't even thought of it one time. And that's often the way it is. And we wonder, you know, why or why has my life not changed? And so what we want... and Maybe, you know, maybe the, one of the things is a message like this tonight is to bring it up and talk about it after this conference is over and go back over it. So I'm not going to bring anything really new to you, maybe one or two things you haven't thought of, but by and large, I'm going to remind you of things that you already know tonight. I want to speak to you on the subject of daily Bible reading. Daily Bible reading. Uh, nothing new, very basic, very simple, but what I'll be saying tonight could change your life from here on, or if you're already living in this realm, it could protect you in the days ahead. And I think you'll see what I mean by that as we go on. But let's read first of all, <clears throat> and I'm going to have some of you all read some tonight as we go through these. Let's read first of all Matthew 4, 1-4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Notice here that in the matter of sustaining life, talking about sustaining life, Lord Jesus puts the Word of God as more important than physical food. 
for sustaining of life. You read that passage back there in Deuteronomy where he's quoting from. He specifically says, The Lord suffered you to hunger, allowed you to hunger, and He provided you manna from heaven. He humbled you. Provided you manna from heaven that you might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, they they were needing to learn the lesson that if they were centered around God and His Word, if need be, He'll make bread fall out of heaven to feed you. That's not the big thing, you see. You put the bread first, and you're going to languish. You put God first, put Him in the center of everything, and the bread's going to be taken care of. And so Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. So, how important is bread? Well, it's pretty important. Give us this day our daily bread. And for most of us, it's three times a day. But he says this is more important than that. So the question I would ask is, have, have any of you this evening, have any of you been trying to live on bread alone? If, if you have been, you're going to languish spiritually. It's the difference between languishing and prospering spiritually. It's the difference between being weak and being strong. 1 Timothy 4.6 says this, it says, Constantly nourished on the words of the faith. Constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you've been following. So in other words, the Word of God, there's an effect of the Word of God that is nourishing to you. It's, this is amazing. And how, how much? You know, once a week, once a month? No, constantly nourished on the words of the faith. So I want us to look at some verses along this line, first of all. Uh, if somebody could read to me Deuteronomy 6. <clears throat> Again, we read these, we're impacted by them at the time, but we need to be reminded of them. Deuteronomy 6. And verses 4 to 9, if someone would read that. Amazing, isn't it? You shall, these words, verse 6, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently, not every now and then, teach them diligently to your sons. Talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. This is no idle word for us, beloved. It's talking about having your life saturated with the Word of God. When you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontal as on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. Mona and I were on the way down here. We were reviewing um, 
an experience we had with a, a brother up there in Canada named Walter Kimber. This brother, uh, as I recall, what happened was uh, one of his sons was killed in a tractor accident. And he said that as he was uh, in grief and agony day after day, there was a verse up on the wall that he would read. And it helped him so much, he started writing up scripture plaques and giving them away. And when I visited him, he gave me $1,400 worth of them and gave me $100 to get back across the border from Canada uh, with, uh, with the goods he was giving me. He gave away millions. I think they said three million of these things. But those are scattered all over the world. They're in Scotland. You'll find them in Ireland and all, all different places. But what, what, what is it? The Word of God. He said, put it up, write it on the walls. John Newton, do you remember? It's the, the verse is still on the wall where John Newton lived. He said, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. He was, he really literally, was, he was not only a slave trader, he was a slave for a while. He was owned by, by a black woman for a while. So he was a slave and he was a slave trader. The verse is still there after all these years. They painted around it when they repainted that place. Constantly have them even on your forehead, on your hands. Somehow, you know, they have practical applications of this. At least this, it says, you let your life be saturated in the Word of God. Bob Jennings, some of you knew Bob. If we ever had an hour together with nothing going on, he had a list, well, wait a minute, pull out the list out of his Bible and go down through the list. What about such and such verse? Redeeming that time, talking about it when you're walking, when you get up, when you lie down. Well, let's read on here in Deuteronomy. I've lost my place, but Deuteronomy 6. He gives them... <clears throat> These instructions. And then immediately, in verses 4 to 9, or I'm sorry, in verses 10 and following, he adds to it. Verses 10 to 12. Then it shall come about, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which He swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you shall eat and be satisfied. Then watch yourself, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." So these are tied together, beloved. You get over here and all these good things begin to happen and you will forget God. Well, you'll, if you're walking in all this stuff before, you won't forget Him. But if you do, this is vice versa. The same thing is true. You go the other way, you start forgetting God, you're definitely not going to be doing these first things. It just goes together. And God has tied them together here. Um, New Testament parallel to this right here, Mark 4, 18 and 19. Others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who've heard the word and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. Enter in and choke the word 
and it becomes unfruitful. And notice what happens in how this describes apostasy. It's described as a word being choked in your life. Beloved, I hope, there, I hope there's no man here tonight that ever falls away. But if, if there is anyone that falls away, I'll guarantee this, the word's going to be, has been choked in his life before that ever happened. You never have a time when the word hasn't been choked out and a guy falls away. It doesn't just happen like that. It's just this little thing, gradual thing. All right, somebody want to read Joshua 1.8 to me? Joshua 1.8. All right, look at this. Meditate on it day and night. It shall not depart from your mouth. You say, well, what's that mean? Maybe, you know, once a month? No, he says, meditate day and night. He tells you what it means. And you will, the promises, you'll make your way prosperous. You will have success. Amazing promises. Meditate on it day and night. One of the best ways of doing that is memorizing Scripture. I mean, it forces you, the, the greatest blessing is while you're working on it, because it forces you to meditate on that word day and night. I knew a guy uh, in our church years ago, he was constantly struggling, he was weak, and he started memorizing Romans. What he'd do, he'd, he worked in a grocery store, he'd get up early in the morning, I think he had to get up, I think he went to work at five, so he had to get up like at four. He'd try to learn five verses and keep them with him through the day. And this is the testimony of his wife. She said, if it's going to change you this much, please keep doing it. <laughs> I mean, he went from a spiritual weakling. You could see the difference in his countenance. Just from being nourished and established and strengthened by having the Word. Meditate on it day and night. When uh, my co-pastor Dick, who just uh, stepped down from from being an elder there in our church a couple weeks ago, he and I were together in Germany right after I got out of college. And uh, he was memorizing in Hebrews and I was memorizing in Romans. And, uh, you know, you get to where you learn those first chapters really, really well. <laughs> you go over those over and over. But we, would, we didn't have a shower in the place where we lived. And if we were going to take a bath, we had, to, we had to pour hot, we heat water in our coffee maker and pour the hot water in the sink and stand in a plastic tub and pour it over. That was our shower. So we paid to go to the indoor swimming pool. And we paid only to get into the shower. They had great showers. They had stalls about this tall, covered with ceramic tile. And I'd stand next to him, and he'd go over Hebrews, and I'd go over Romans. And you know, you just keep pushing that button in to keep that water, hot water coming. We'd stay in there until our fingers looked like prunes, you know, looked like raisins or whatever. But I'll say this, my whole life was changed forever. 
just from that, spending time in the Word. Isn't that something? I had no idea. I didn't even know there was expository preaching or anybody ever preached through a book of the Bible. I didn't even know that. Why was I doing it? Because I desperately wanted life, wanted help. You don't study the Bible because you want to be a theologian or because you want to be a preacher. You study it like a guy grabs for a lifesaver. I need help. I want understanding. I cry for discernment. Lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her silver, search for us for hidden treasures. What? Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. All these are promises. Amazing promises. He says, meditate on day and night. You'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. We haven't even looked at half of them. There's so much more. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Somebody read that for me. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> amazing. He's like a tree planted by rivers of water. His leaf doesn't wither. You see somebody, I mean, the drought comes, spiritually speaking, you see somebody's leaf just withering and falling off. They're not spending their time there. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. The difference between fruit in season and burning out is what it amounts to. Proverbs 6, 20-23, someone please read. Isn't this amazing? Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. I don't know what that means for sure, but I got a little bit of an idea. It's just saying have that, hold on to that thing and have it with you all the time. When you walk about, they'll guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. When you awake, they'll talk to you. You wake up in the morning, that word talking to you. The commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light and reproof for discipline. It's the way of life. We don't like to be reproved. The Word of God, it's given us life for the way of, it's the way of life. Again, think of what the Bible says about the power of the Word in our lives. Let me just give you some of them. <clears throat> Psalm 19, 7-11, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. It restores your soul to spend time in the Word. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. They're more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Oh, well, I have a chance to get a job. I'm really, it's really good pay. But I don't think I'm going to have much time in the Word or, you know. I see what that is? It's not realizing how important, how much it's worth. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned. And in keeping them there's great reward. The servant is warned. It's like, son, don't go there. That'll mess you up. Don't go there. The Word of God sets us free. John 8, 31 32. If you continue in my Word, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. The Word of God sanctifies us. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through the truth. What? Thy Word is truth. The Word of God keeps us from sin. Psalm 119, 9 and 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. It gives us understanding. Psalm 119, 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The word of God discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. Think of that. Hebrews 4, verse 12. The Word of God is living and powerful, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow. And is what? Is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It enlightens our path. Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You ever been, like you've been working your way through the woods in the dark, you know, with no light? And the display how great it is to suddenly have a light and you can see what's getting ready to trip you up. That's the way the Word is. Why would we not want it? Why would we not want to get everything we can to have as much light as we can for that path in front of us? The Word enables us to grow. 1 Peter 2.2 2, Desire the sincere milk of the Word, but that you might grow. That you might grow in respect to salvation. So that's a test, isn't it? How much do, how much do as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word? How much do newborn babes desire it? Well, a lot. The Word is able to build us up and give us an inheritance. Acts 20, 22. This is one I love. This one, Paul says, I commend you to God. He's leaving them. You know, they're saying goodbye. I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace. We've, we've done this so many times with students that we have going back to places like China or wherever. Oh, Everybody gather around and pray. We commend this sister to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in Me. 
It's able to build you up. Now I say, if you're anything like me, you, you see these promises, you see these exhortations, this is stuff God says, this is important. And it stirs you for a while, and the next day, or two days later, or three days, you begin to forget. So I just encourage you, to go back over these verses, not what I've said, but go back over these Scriptures. Or encourage one another, remind one another. You men that know one another and say, how's it going? Are you binding the word around your neck today? (laughs) We can do, we can encourage one another in this. Now with the time that's left, I want to try to drive this home with a couple of real life illustrations. One from Pastor Joel Beakey. I haven't heard him many times, but I heard him give this and it impressed me. And the other from the life of Solomon. So first of all, Joel Beakey. I took this off. I had a copy of the message that he gave. And I just took it off verbatim from what he said. He said, I'm just amazed at people that come to a pastor and say, Pastor, my spiritual life is languishing and things are not going well. Please give me some counsel. Help me. I'm backsliding. And you say, well, first of all, tell me something. How much time are you spending every day alone with God in the Word, in prayer, and in meditation? Oh, I've given that up long ago. What? How do you expect to grow in holiness when you avoid the book that teaches you how to grow in holiness? It doesn't make any sense. Turn off the TV, stop roaming the internet, and get into the Word of God if you want to be holy. Now listen to this. I had an elder... This isn't just anybody. This is one of the leaders in the church. I had an elder who once called me up and said, I'm so far gone, I don't even dare pray anymore. I'm just a basket case. Come over and help me. I said, I've got my bags packed. I was going to a conference. I'll come in three days. Spend 30 minutes in those three days, 10 minutes a day reading Scripture. Ten minutes meditating. Ten minutes praying. He said, I can't do that. I said, force yourself to do it. All right, he said. I said, don't worry, I'll come over as soon as I come back. I got back three days later. There was a note on my chair. No need to visit so-and-so. All is well with his soul. (laughs) Think of that. What's going on? His fruit was drying up. His leaf was withering because he wasn't saturated with the Word. He says, you know, I could have talked with him for hours and hours and hours about all his spiritual problems, but really, it was just getting back into the Word and getting right with God again. That's how real this is. It's the difference between life and death. You think back at the verses that we read tonight. He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. As opposed to the worries of this world and the cares of other things, choking the word, he becomes unfruitful. What a contrast. What happened was he got into the word of God and it restored his soul. That's what the Bible says it will do, doesn't it? It's to restore the soul. Well, that's one illustration. My second one is from the life of Solomon. 
You know that wisdom in the Bible means more than just intelligence. The wise man is not just a smart man. Wisdom has a moral aspect to it in the Bible idea of wisdom. Now, here's the problem. How could a man, who at least at one point was the wisest man in the world, how could he mess up like Solomon did? How in the world could that happen? Well, I believe we're given the answer in Deuteronomy 17. So let's turn back there. This is amazing. It's amazing. Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 to 17. 14 to 17. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me, then you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen. You shall set his king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself. Nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return that way. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly increase silver or gold for himself. Now, you know the story of Solomon. He did every one of those things. He shall not multiply horses. Well, Solomon did that. Let me read you the verse. This is 1 Kings 4.26. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen running those chariots. 40,000. He multiplied wives. This is 1 Kings 11.1. Now, Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. Like he went out of his way to multiply wives. And he multiplied silver and gold. This is 1 Kings 10.21. And all King Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None was of silver... It was not considered valuable in the days of Solomon. There's so much silver around, it's like, forget about that. Now, how could all this happen? Well, we didn't read far enough in Deuteronomy 17. We'll find out how it happened. Deuteronomy 17, the next verse. This is just like the passage we looked at in, in uh, wherever that was. Um, Deuteronomy 6, verse 18. Now it shall come about, this is all instruction for the king. It shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. I'll tell you what went wrong. You can see it, can't you? He shall read it all the days of his life. 
that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, and that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, in order that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. Now this is amazing. King had to have his own personal copy of the Bible that he copied himself. Oh, so I set you down with a big bunch of blank paper and say, copy it. That was the king. The king copied. And it was to be with him, quote, be with him, and he was to, quote, read it all the days of his life. Say, well, I'm really busy. Matthew Henry says this, He that sits upon the throne of a kingdom cannot but have his hands full. The affairs of his kingdom both at home and abroad shall uh, call for a large share of his time and thoughts, and yet he must write himself a copy of the law. Let not those who call themselves men of business think that this will excuse them from making religion their business. I think it's clear that this is what happened to Solomon. He started trusting his great knowledge and he stopped reading the Bible and before long he committed every one of those sins. Now, <clears throat> this is where it gets down to those, if you maybe you've read the Bible for years and years, but you still have a warning here, don't stop. I mean, you may have memorized a lot of Scripture. I doubt if anybody here has memorized more scripture than Fanny Crosby. By the time she was 10, she could recite the first four books of the Old Testament and all four Gospels. But Frances Havergal had her beat. Frances Havergal memorized all the Gospels, the Epistles, that takes in most of the New Testament, Isaiah, try to wrap your mind around that, memorized Isaiah, the Psalms, the minor prophets, and Revelation. But, now this is why I read this. You may, have, you may have done all that, but I'll tell you this, you desperately need to spend time in the Word of God every day still. See what I'm saying? You start trusting in that wisdom. You start, man, I've walked with God a long time. I already know that. I heard a story, a true story. These women came into the church. They were sitting there, sitting there, not our church, but a different place. And the pastor said, I'm going to speak to you out of Ephesians. And the, the, one of the sisters overheard this woman said, oh, we've already heard a sermon about that. Got up and went out. What is it? We can have that attitude. Oh, I memorized Ephesians. Well, that doesn't mean anything except you need to be more careful when you spend time in it that you don't become used to it. Something happens in the inner man. Something has the restoring of the soul, nourishing of the soul. And of course, we're not talking about just reading the Bible. It's communion with the Lord, prayer, and I, that's another whole topic. But, when, but the big thing, really, ultimately, what we're talking about is spending time in that personal relationship with the Lord. 
not keeping a list of I read, read the Bible, do this, do this, but spend time with God, intimate time with God. Think of how different Solomon's life might have been. That's how important this is. And the Lord Jesus set the example, didn't He? He, he defeated the devil with three verses from memory out of Deuteronomy. Amazing. The battle of the ages. <laughs> but he, obviously, his whole life was saturated in Scripture. He's constantly referring to it. He had hidden it in his heart year after year after year. He set the example for us. But I want to encourage you. Talking about practical helps for Christian living. Well, the Bible says a lot about this, doesn't it? A lot of things. May the Lord help us to enter into this. Just It's wonderful stuff. Very simple, very basic. But this is where men go wrong before they fall. Amen.